So today we're going to continue the parsha of Bahar, and we're going to continue this this descent of the Jew that did not have trust in Hashem, to not withhold or, or withstand the temptation of doing business with the products of his Shemitah field, and instead of resting the field and trusting Hashem to provide for him, he felt that he can't do that and he won't survive. So we're describing this descent how he's now come to a point where he sold his fields, he sold the houses near the fields, he sold his family house in the walled cities of uh, Israel. And now it comes to even lower state where the Torah says, which means that your brother has become destitute amongst you, become crushed and low down amongst you. And his hand has become weak. He's not financially able to take care of himself. Says the Torah, you have an obligation, which means you have an obligation to strengthen him, to uplift him, to give him a, a boost and to uh, you know, lift him up a little bit. And he should consider him. This is true for everyone. Ger, the Toyshev, even if he's a convert, or even if he's a resident alien dwelling amongst you, amongst the Jewish people, the Chai Imach, he shall live amongst you, he shall live with you. Meaning, you have an obligation to take care of the people that live with you, to sustain them, to uplift them. Now, on the most basic level, the Torah is saying here, is that our first obligation goes to someone who is uh, living amongst us. So it's always more exciting to give money to people than, you know, not say not to give to Ukraine, but to give to Ukraine, to give to Israel, to give, you know, to give to other sources to save the animals in Africa. Torah is saying here, even the convert and the resident amongst you, those who live with you, how could a society exist if you're not taking care of the destitute and the poor that are living amongst you? So you have an obligation when you see him fall, when you see him in a desperate situation, to help him. Just like we have an obligation. You see a donkey is, is overburdened. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. We see a donkey overburdened with a load. You have an obligation to go unload the, bar, the, the, the uh, donkey to help it stand back up. So do you see a person who's struggling to financially make ends meet. You have an obligation to help him. And you have to fear God because God knows what's really in your heart or not. And he knows if, uh, if you are trying to help him or not. But let's go to the next verse. So the Torah, you should not take from him neshech v'sarbis. They both mean the same thing. They both mean interest. Why does the Torah say the same thing twice in two different words? To tell you how, show you how severe is this prohibition in the Torah. How severely does God view it when the Jew charges another Jew interest on a loan? And the Torah says it twice using two different words to say the same thing in order to give you two prohibitions for the same act. That's how serious it is in the eyes of Hashem when the Jew charges interest from another person. You should fear God because God knows what your thoughts are. And then the Torah says, V'chai or V'chai achicha imach. Your brother should live with you. So here the last verse said, V'chai imach, that anyone that's living amongst you should live amongst you, including a convert, including a non-Jewish resident living amongst the Jewish community. Here it's specifically talking about your Jewish brother. So even though we have an obligation to every single human being living in our community, we have an even greater obligation to our brothers amongst us take case specifically of the Jews in the Jewish community, and therefore the prohibition of interest is specifically for a Jew. So giving money, giving charity, you see someone living on the street, someone's in the dest- on the street, someone's in a destitute situation, doesn't make a difference. They're Jewish or not Jewish, there's an obligation to help them. But as far as lending interest, this is already going a step above, and this only applies that you only have that mitzvah for a Jew. But again, they should live with you. The next verse again repeats the same prohibition. Your money you should not give to him b'neshech or b'marbis. You should not give him your food. 
So again, the same two words, which mean the same thing. Although neshech comes from the word from like a snake. We talked about this the last time. Neshech is like a snake. When a snake bites you, same letter as nachash, but a snake, a snake bite is called neshech. Why is interest compared to like the bite of a snake? Interest is compared to the bite of a snake because it comes and it creeps up on you. You don't realize it. So when you take this loan, right? You take student debt or whatever it is, take a loan, and it's only only 4%, 5%, whatever. It's not a lot, 10%. No, whatever. Okay, it's fine. It's a little high. It's, it's only uh, 52 bucks a month. You know what I'm saying? That's not like so much. But all of a sudden, it keeps adding up and adding up and adding up. And a year goes by, two years go by, and you're still paying down interest. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a, a snake of a bite. This, the bite of a snake, sorry, that comes and attacks you in a very, very subtle, subtle way. So therefore, uh, you have to be careful not to do this. Not only with money, you can't lend interest with money, and with your food you can't charge interest. Meaning, let's say I lend you, uh, I don't know, I lend you a bag of uh, flour, you, you have no eggs, I lend you food. So tomorrow you have to pay me back, you know, not one dozen, two dozen eggs. Right? You need it today, you're desperate. That would also be the prohibition of interest. So it's not only a financial thing, it's with anything where you're trying to take advantage of someone when they're in time of need to get more for yourself. What's the logic of this law of not charging interest? So the next verse says, I am Hashem your God who took you out of the land of Egypt in order to give to you the land of Canaan to be for you, for a God. Which basically is saying over here, a few things actually. But first of all, what's the logic of not charging interest? Because everything is from Hashem. We're already learning about the laws of the Shemitah and the laws of the land. And we're going to learn in the next, in the next Aliyah, we're going to talk about slaves, owning a Jewish slave, a non-Jew owning a slave. Where when you own a slave, the same thing. Yes, technically he's working for you, he's under your control, under your, you know, under your jurisdiction. But he belongs to Hashem. You belong to Hashem, he belongs to Hashem, you all belong to God. Same thing, the money that you have. True, yes, it's under your jurisdiction, this money. So God said, I want you to be in charge of the management and the uh, organ, you know, taking care of this money and making sure it's being used the right way. But you're only the manager. You're not the owner. The owner of the money is Hashem. The owner of the dozen eggs you have sitting in your fridge that someone else needs to borrow. You're only the manager of that property or of that object. And therefore, remember that I, Hashem, took you out of God, out of Egypt. In addition, when you left Egypt, what happened? The laws of nature were totally suspended, totally overchanged. Naturally speaking, Egypt was the most powerful fortress, most powerful country in the world that had a system in place that no slave had ever escaped Egypt. No slave had ever escaped Egypt. So logically, using the rules of nature, a Jew can't, a no slave can escape Egypt. So to using the laws of nature, if you want to make money with your money, you got to charge interest on the money. That's how you make money on your money. So if you're within the rules of nature and you're limited by nature, so if I don't charge interest, how will I make money? So I need to charge interest. But if you remember that Hashem is the one who took us out of Egypt, and Hashem is the one who suspended the rules of nature, and He's not limited by nature, therefore you can have trust in Hashem to lend without charging any interest, to recognize the fact that I have extra money available in my bank that I can give to Him, and I'll be okay for the next few months until He pays me back, that is an act of trusting Hashem who took us out of the land of Egypt, who brought us to the land of Israel, to be for us as a God, to this holy land, etc. you have a question? No. Okay. So now let's talk more about the idea of charity in general, because we'll save the rest of the parsha for tomorrow. 
So, in general, the idea of supporting your brother. So, it says when your brother is living in, in poverty, even any person dwelling amongst even a non-Jew, you have an obligation to help them, bring us to a very fundamental philosophical question, which is, if God wants us to help poor people, God doesn't want people to be in hunger and in poverty, so why did God create people that's poor in the first place? If God didn't want this person to be poor, <laughs> he should have just given him money. I just said 18 seconds ago that God suspends the rules of nature, God can make you make money without charging interest, etc. So if that's the case, God could also give that poor Joe on the street, he could give him money, he'll have a home, he'll have food, he'll have a job, he'll have everything he needs. So why did God create it this way? It's actually a very, very famous, it's a good question, right? There's a very famous Gemara, where Trunifus, Rufus, a, a Roman uh, noble, nobleman, asked Rabbi Akiva the very same question. He said to Rabbi Akiva, it says that your God loves the poor. It says in the Torah, God loves the poor and the widow and the orphan. <laughs> so why does he take care of them? He loves them so much, he leaves them uh, penniless. How does that make sense? Rabbi Akiva said that if God would take away poverty, it would take away the ability of chesed, of kindness from the, from the wealthy. And if they wouldn't be able to give charity, how, who would save them from their sins? Meaning that our Hashem created the poor, it's not fair, you know, maybe it's not fair, but the whole reason is in order to give the opportunity to the rich to be able to do the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. Obviously the world needs receivers and the world needs givers, and we pray that we should be on the giving end, not on the receiving end, because the whole purpose of the world was to create kindness in the world. And therefore, if there wouldn't be people that need it, how could you give kindness? You can't give kindness if there's no one that needs the kindness, right? So that's, that's, that's why there's a need in the world, and the fact that you have money, the example, if I remember correctly, if it's the same thing Rabbi Kiva says, when someone passes you a plate, you sit in my big dining room table, right? From having dinner. Someone passes you the platter of chicken. They put it in front of you, they passed it to you. It doesn't mean, you know, Rabbi's getting excited, but it doesn't mean, right? It doesn't mean that all 10 pieces of chicken on the plate are all for you. You take one piece for yourself and then you pass on the plate to the next person, right? Okay, maybe you take two pieces. But I'm saying, you can take two if you want, but you can't keep the whole plate for yourself. You've got to pass it on. So too, when God passes you a plate full of wealth, not because God says, I want the whole plate to remain here for you. I'm putting you in charge. You're my banker. Take what you need for yourself and then continue to pass on the plate. So here's a beautiful medrash. The medrash says that the most powerful thing in the world is giving charity to somebody else. Why is giving charity the most powerful thing in the world? It says the medrash that there were 10 things that were created, each stronger than the other. The rock is strong, but iron is even stronger than the rock, and iron breaks the rock. Uh, iron is strong, but fire melts the iron. Fire is strong, but water can extinguish the fire. Water is strong, but clouds can carry the water. Cloud, well, clouds are strong, but the wind can scatter the clouds. Wind is strong, but the body can hold wind inside the body. The body is strong, but... Death can destroy the body. And even though death is stronger than the body, staka is even more powerful because we know that staka tatsil mimavas. That giving charity saves from death. And therefore, through giving charity, a person is able to be saved from death. And this is why it says, when you give charity, you will live, your brother will live with you. Meaning, not only will he live with you, but you will get life through helping him live with you. I'll say something, you're asking a very good question, which is why there's such extreme levels of poverty. The truth is here, the focus is not so much on, even though it says when your brother is destitute amongst you, the real point over here is not so much about just giving him a handout. It's about lending him money to
to help him get back onto his feet. In Torah, we know there's eight levels of charity, eight degrees of charity. There's charity where you give uh, with, a, with a sour face, if I remember them all by heart. The Raman describes them where he asks and you give, but you're not happy to give. Then where he gives, where he asks and you give, smiling. And then there's where you give and you know who you're giving to, he does, the receiver doesn't know who's giving it to him. Higher is where the receiver, no, sorry, when, when you don't know who you're giving to, but the receiver knows who's getting it. Higher is when you don't know who's giving, who, who you're giving to, but the receiver knows where it came from. Higher yet is where both the giver doesn't know who he's giving to, and the receiver doesn't know who it came from. You give to the rabbi, and the rabbi gives someone else, so neither side knows where it came from. And then, if I remember all correct, the highest level of charity is when you give a loan interest-free. When you're giving a loan, giving a loan interest-free, you're not just giving him a handout. So here's there's a guy that keeps him on the show for gas money. I, I don't know what to tell him. I was, you know, he keeps on coming. Like every week, he comes to me for 50 bucks for gas, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's a never-ending story. It's like, you know... That's charity. That's not a loan. I offered to lend the money interest-free. He's like, whatever. It's saying, yeah, I think we... So, small money. So I give him charity. You have to help him out. But it's like, it's, he's, he, he's going to... It's a nebach. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a nebach case. It's very, very sad. And it's going to only get worse, unfortunately. But, so that's just helping him out. That's just charity. If you give the person a job, or you give the person a loan where you can help him rebuild his business or help him get back onto his feet financially, where he can have, you know, maintain his pride and his dignity, that's a much, much... Greater act of, uh, of of charity to rebuild them where it's not the lowest level. The hardest thing to find is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you another story, but I want to say one thing. So there's another story here about lending and something else. Lending without interest. So there was a guy. It was a rabbi here, Rabbi Yoyna. You remember the story that Rabbi Yoyna, whenever he heard that someone had lost their money, that they were in a bad situation, he would go to them and he would uh, he would. Um, he would come and say, I heard that you have a fortune coming from overseas. I heard that there's a, you have a wealthy heir that left you money overseas. Take this loan in the meantime until the money comes and you're having a hard time. And when you get the money, you'll pay me back. And then when they would come to pay me back, he said, I'll give you as a gift. I don't need the money back. But this way he would help them. But in a way, he was giving them charity. But he pretended like it was a loan in order to help them like, with dignity to, to, uh, to uh, rebuild themselves. It's another time of Rabbi Lazer. And he would hear, see someone walking that was poor. He'd walk in front of them and he would drop a dinner on the street. He would drop a coin on the street. And then when they would come to give it to him, he'd say, I already gave up hope on it. I already lost it. I already had yush. I gave up hope. Keep it. It's yours. It's helping them in the way of dignity. But that's, that's our job, to help people in a dignified way, to not just help them remain poor. That's one of the problems with welfare programs. Like you keep people in the poverty, but it's said to build them up, to, to be able to get out of their poverty. To find a certain you know, financial stability in their own in their own way. Okay.